The sports panel on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you Friday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us. Pretty nasty out there, so be safe if you're out there, out traveling, what have you, making your way around. And I, I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but I would rather get a back rub from Edward Scissorhands than drive right now. Ryan Stieg's here with us because, you know, it's Friday. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all right. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'd... Uh... Well, I said not to be dramatic. Not to be But, uh, yeah, uh, driving last night, I was coming back from the Gwynn game, and uh, it was really, really bad. Like, it, uh, you could maybe see, like, five feet in front of you, mm-hmm. and even that was <laughs> hit or miss. I mean, it, uh, and the, I mean, the roads are bad. Um, you're having to drive much slower than you normally would. So, uh, basically, if you're going to venture out to cover, to uh, watch a game tonight, uh, be safe. Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way, because it's uh, the roads aren't fun. Even in town, it's been an adventure to say the least. The roads and the slickness determined what I had for lunch today. I went out thinking I was going to get a sandwich, and I tried stopping, missed it, couldn't turn around or stop quickly enough, so I ended up having chicken. Awesome. So worked out all right. Where'd they get the chicken from? I'm not sure I'm allowed to say okay. sponsorships and what happened. Okay, okay, but you got chicken at some place. I got chicken, <laughs> so I'm pretty happy without my lunch. Work. All right, there you go. A lot happening in this new cycle, huh? especially around northern Michigan athletics. Basketball was in action last night. They play again tomorrow. We've got hockey starting up a series this evening, but let's start with what transpired last night with the northern Michigan hoops teams over at Ferris State. Women pick up a come-from-behind win in double overtime, a thriller, and Troy Matson picks up victory number 200 for his coaching career. Great win for the women, able to come from behind and score 70 points. That's incredible <laughs> their defense but then the offense putting up some big numbers yeah they're uh i've only seen them really go on uh big surges offensively when they're playing bad teams like lake state and uh purdue northwest but they uh they gutted out a victory they fell behind in the second quarter i was wondering if uh if they were able to fight their way back because they're winning and then the second quarter they were heavily outscored and i'm thinking well it's going to be hard to fight back from that. But they were able to slowly, slowly chip away at it. They tied it up, sent it to overtime. Then it went back into the second overtime and uh, just got some clutch baskets from their key players. Men did about everything they could, but Ferris is just one of those teams. They're a darn good team, and Naba drops 26, but the men fall by 11. Yeah, uh, I think another big thing is uh, Ferris's bench contributed pretty heavily. I mean, I think... Maybe Northern had seven players score, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not going to do it no. against a good team, whereas, you know, Ferris had just about everybody score on their bench. All their starters put up numbers, and it's like if, if they had just a couple more players step up, that could have been a winnable game, and uh, they were winning at times. It just it slipped away from them. It's a big missed opportunity, too, because, you know, Lake State – lost to tech had they beat ferris they would have you know gotten into a more into a, a home court situation but now they're gonna have to fight their end to it um if they beat lake state on saturday i think it'll they'll be in, doing okay but if they lose again it's gonna start to look like home courts kind of a I th- they're gonna be fine they're gonna get into the gliac tournament but uh getting a home game in the first round if they lose Saturday, is going to be, I think, the chances are bleaker and bleaker. 
Oh, they're sitting at 9-7 and seven in conference play, and their final four games, five if you include last night, all come on the road. So it's a little bit of a tough stretch for the men, but they're going to be going right through the fire going into the postseason. Preview Lake State for me tomorrow. The men and women there for a doubleheader. Well, the women's game, uh, it should be a pretty easy win. Lake State's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, I, I was at that game at home, and uh, it... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the game was over, like, after the first quarter. That's how mm-hmm. bad it was. I mean, I I didn't technically show up because I had other stuff going on until, like, midway through the second quarter. Mm. And I was – it's like my story was already written, mm. and I had missed the first quarter. I mean, it was that easy. I mean, and they just kept piling on. Northern, I think, put up 93 points tonight, which is – think about that as kind of unheard of mm-hmm. for this team. So it's, it's going to be a win. Uh, I mean – so I mean, unless it's going to be a win, but unless like Northern just doesn't show up like for a half, it's going to be fairly close if they happens. But they're going to blow them out. It's going to be bad. On that side of things, I, I think that was one that the Northern men would have liked to have back. Yeah, I uh, I was at that game too. Um, uh, in a post game comment, Bill Saul called it a debacle mm. because they should have. There were times that they showed glimpses they would win, but there was a stretch where they just completely fell apart. Like, defense wasn't working for them. They weren't putting – shots weren't going in. Um, I watched Bill get more and more frustrated (laughs) on the sidelines. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the most – I want to say steamed I've seen Bill after a loss. Um, uh, Just, I mean – you you could see it was simmering, believe it. Like mm-hmm. he, it was uh, that was one of the games that they probably should have won. I mean, Lake State's a good team. It's going to be a battle for them on Saturday. It's going to be tough, um, but they should have won that game. And that's another one of those missed opportunities. Northern could be already have locked down home court in the first round, but you know they've tripped against Parkside. They missed that. They lost to that Lake State game. They lost to Northwood mm-hmm. to end their first loss in the first half. And it's just like there's games that they should be winning that they're not, and that uh, it's just for some reason it hasn't been there. Now I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to get in the tournament, but uh, it's it's not easy when you're going to have to play on the road mm-hmm. every game. And uh, whereas the women look like they're going to lock down the home court bid, uh, I think they probably will if they, you know, with Saturday's game. Um, I don't know, like, if it will be like a two-seed or something like that where they'll have multiple home games. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll get a game in the first round at least. But, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting time um, for Northern basketball to have. I mean, it's it's been... You know, last year was their first time in quite a while that both teams made the GLIAC tournament, and uh, it's going to happen again. And I think both teams are capable of actually making a run in the tournament. Um, as far as winning it, I'm not quite sure because I think they have the capability, but Northern's women's team has to get their offense going as good as they are on defense. I mean, they hit 70, and that was an achievement. <laughs> you know, when getting to 70 points is like a big accomplishment Mm -hmm. that's not going to cut it when you're playing teams like ashland you know or grand valley so they're going to have to really increase their point totals and for the men they just they can't slip up is what the thing is i mean it's not like you need to play lights out basketball but 
you can't be making the mistakes. Now, Northern's actually pretty good in the turnovers. Um, they're actually, when I looked at in my preview this week, I think they're fifth in the nation in fewest turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty impressive. But it's like in the crucial games, they get shaky and their shots aren't falling and they make questionable shot selection. I mean, <laughs> they'll put up threes when they probably shouldn't be putting up threes, and it uh, they ended up, and they end up falling behind. But uh, they're both fun teams to watch. It just mm-hmm. depends on what your style of play is. If you like quality defense, you'd love watching the Northern women. Yeah. Um, but if you like a lot of scoring, it, it's probably not for you. <laughs> I mean, nothing against them. It's just they're not an offensively oriented team. They're mm-hmm. very defensive oriented. And uh, um, and Darby Youngster made a huge night. Yes, last he did. Night. It was a big senior performance for her. Lexi Smith had a good night. Bailey Delorit mm-hmm. out of uh, off the bench with 15 points. She was hitting threes. I mean, that's the thing that Northern needs if they want to go far. They got to have people putting up good point totals, and everybody needs to contribute. You can't just have Darby score a lot of points. You can't just have Lexi score points. You got to have everybody contribute. And uh, if they can do that, I think they can make a case. And it's the same for the men. Naba and Isaiah are obviously the stars, and they're going to put up points every night. Isaiah had 15, a little lower than he normally has, but Naba had 26. Mm-hmm. But they're going to need to have contribute. they got to have Miles Howard be a force in the middle. they got to have um, Troy Summers needs to be at his best as a post player. And she's shown a lot of promise mm-hmm. this season, especially for a younger player, but he's going to have to be at his ga- top of his game. Um, you're going to have to have some good perimeter shootings. I-, I like Sam Taylor a lot. He's such a great defensive player, and he's a good three-point shooter, but he can't go cold. <laughs> and uh, and that that's the thing with him. It- it's uh, He's pr- arguably one of my favorite players to watch on the basketball team, but he's either lights out good or if he's not hitting his threes, it's just like, <laughs> you know, good three-point shooters, you're either really hot or you're not. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find an in-between if you're a three-point shooter. So they're going to need him to be hitting his shots. And uh, I'm I'm really intrigued about the GLIAC tournament. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched. Actually, last year was probably the real first good <laughs> men's team I watch. So I, I like it when both teams are doing well. Um, and, of course, you got hockey, mm-hmm. who's out of town again. Well, they're taking <laughs> on Bemidji this weekend in a monster weekend in the WCHA because three through six in the standings are playing each other. Northern's at mm-hmm. Bemidji. You've got Lake State taking on Michigan Tech. We could see some seasons be broken maybe or at least some chances for getting high seeds in the conference tournament which will lead to their seasons being broken or you can have some tournament you know cinderella runs really get set up right here it's a it's a jumbled mess um if you look at the wchu standings i mean minnesota state's got the monoton cup in the bag they're just really good this year they're (laughs) they're so far ahead of everybody else i mean i think i was talking to shane frederick who's the beat writer in mankato and he said if bowling green and NMU lose, you know, if they both lose this weekend, Mankato wraps it up. Mm-hmm. So they've pretty much got it in the bag. But uh, now they're fighting for second place. Northern's tied um, with Bowling Green. I think they got two games in hand, so that helps them. You've got, but Lake State's right on their heels. Bemidji's on their heels. Tech's still in the mix. So it's, this is a crucial weekend. You, and they always are at this point in the year there you can't 
really lose. <laughs> you, you can't afford to get swept, and that was, and that was my concern going down to Huntsville. It's like they couldn't afford to stumble down there. That was a winnable series. Um, should have been a sweep, in my opinion. Um, uh, they, for some reason, Friday, you know, Grant Patoni called it a disappointing a disappointment. Um, that was a game he felt they should have had. Um, fun side note: uh, they had flight. Uh, Issues, mm. so they had to spend the night in the airport. Not fun. No, on the, on the flight back mm. from Alabama. So, uh, yeah, that was an experience. I I'm imagine sure that's exactly I, what they want to do is yeah, spend a night in an Alabama airport. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, um, but that was an experience. Mm. I mean, it's one of those things in life where like it's a very uncomfortable thing, but it's like, look what I did. Mm. I at one point in my life, I spent the night in the airport. <laughs> so. It's one of those things you can look back at when you're older and have a story to tell. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a crucial weekend. Uh, Northern split with Bemidji earlier this year. Um, you know, looked good one night, went the other night. Again, the shit game, they should have won. Lost at the buzzer. Lost at the buzzer. Um, that was really insane. Yeah. <laughs> that, Especially that, uh, when you think they had a what would have been at least a tying goal, potentially game-winning yeah, goal go, with a minute 40 left, waved off. Got waved off, and then Bemidji scores, like, what, like, wasn't it like one second yeah. left? And, uh, I mean, it's an exciting, I, I mean, my uh, my coworker was at the game because of the situation we had at work. I wasn't able to be there, but he said that was the craziest ending he's seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been fun endings at Northern. You know, there's the Loggins winner in, against Bowling Green in playoff, but, like, craziest a goal scored with a second left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the odds that's going to happen. So uh didn't go Northern's way, but it was a interesting ending. But, uh, yeah, it's it's big. They it, uh, Getting swept in Bemidji would be really painful for yeah. them because it, it would cause them to tumble. They can't afford to do that. And uh, Bemidji's different than a lot of their teams. I asked Grant about this, and he said, because there's this attachment to Bemidji that they – don't that they focus so much on slowing the game down mm-hmm. and he said that's not necessarily the case mm-hmm. he said it's more so they're just very defensively sound and if you have a defensively sound team it may look like it's just trap plays and it's just you know boring hockey but it's there's there's some potential there there's some good offense there they had two guys win awards um you know earlier this week you know um so there's capability there, but you're not going to see a lot of goals this weekend. I think Bemidji's really sound defensively, and they're going to be able to, I don't know. You can't really contain Northern's mm-hmm. offense, but it's like you're going to see like 2-1 games or 3-2 games. You're not going to see Northern put up six like they did against Huntsville on Saturday. It's it's going to be tight, which it, in some ways I think that's better hockey in a way because the games are a little more. As much fun as it is to watch a lot of goals. It's like it kind of takes the tension out of a game right? because it's just not, you know, you're not on the edge of your seat. They're like, okay, we're up by four now. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, they scored, but you're kind of mentally checking out at that point. Whereas, you know, if it's 2-1 or 3-2, 
you know, you're you're invested in what's going to happen. So I think it's going to be a fun series. Ryan Steak from the Mining Journal with us. Last thing before we go to break, second edition of Hockey Bracketology came out this week. Mm-hmm. The WCHA right now has two representatives. They're projecting to go there with Bowling Green as the at-large. Minnesota State gets the automatic qualifier. The Big Ten, which sent three teams to the Frozen Four last year, with just one, and that is mighty red-hot Ohio State this season. Will that change? Will the WCHA send more teams than the Big Ten to the national tournament? I think it's a distinct possibility. It really might happen. Yeah, yeah I, uh, it's, it's weird because, mm-hmm. you know, the Big Ten was kind of, for the first time, the conference to beat yeah. last year, which has been, for a lot of smaller schools, kind of a joke because mm-hmm. the Big Ten conference, they were like, oh, we're, we're too special. We're going to make our own conference. And then they kept stumbling. But now that they're actually – there's more good teams. You expected to see more teams come into the tournament this year, but Ohio State is doing well, but and still, in my opinion, they're still an overrated team. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Michigan fell off this year. Notre Dame lost a ton from last year, yeah. so I'm not surprised that they took a step back, but they're still capable, you know. It's it's really if they're gonna get a second team, somebody's gonna have to make a run in the Big Ten tournament and get the auto bid, um, which is which is possible. It's happened. Um, Minnesota fell off. Um, Penn State is very good offensively, but awful defensively. Yep. It is. We talk about on the show. It's such a bizarre strategy, and Red Berenson went through this at Michigan his last few years, where we're gonna recruit the best offensive players and then just hope for the best when mm-hmm. it comes for goaltending. We're going to put up six goals and hope the other team scores less than we do. And it, it's great if you can pull it off, mm-hmm. but uh, if you're playing a good defensive team, like I remember in the tournament when Penn State blew past Union, and people were like, oh, they could be a Frozen Four team. And then they played Denver, and Denver completely locked them down. And uh, you got to have good defense, too. And uh, I don't think Penn State has it. Um, I think they're only getting one. It, I think Bowling Green gets in. I think Minnesota State gets in. It could be a third team, but they'd have to run it. Um, they'd have to get the auto bid. I think Northern has the potential to get the auto bid, mm-hmm. but they have to play. They can't play bad. You know they. You know they looked really good down the stretch last year, and uh, they're looking okay. They have to really kick into gear if they want to even have... They're going to have to get the auto good. They're not good in the pairwise. That's the only way they're going to get in. But they're going to have to be at their best if they're going to get that. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. We'll take our first time out. Colin Kaepernick's been in the news as of late. And as of about an hour ago, it's payday for him and his buddy Eric Reed. Details next in the sports panel on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Thanks for hanging out with us in your Friday afternoon. Well, it's been a big news cycle for Colin Kaepernick over the last 24 hours or so. Reported yesterday that he was offered a job in the Alliance of American Football. Which, by the way, did you get a chance to check that out over uh, the last weekend? I have it's not. Opening weekend. I have not. Actually, a little I bit saw, better I saw, than I, I, I saw the highlights, but I was not able to watch like a full game. So, well, apparently, Colin Kaepernick was offered a contract with the team, and now the standard is for players in the AAF is that they offer all players a three-year, two hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract. <laughs> 
Colin Kaepernick turned it down and asked for $20 million, which I'm not going to debate whether he's worth that or not, but you're not going to get that in that type of a league is the thing. So it makes you wonder what he's after because his settlement came out today. His settlement came out, and again, the mount's undisclosed. Us in the public eye will probably never know how much the amount was settled for between the NFL and his and Eric Reed's collusion case. And the last thing I want to do is turn this into a political show because there is way too much of that going on. I think as a, as a radio personality, as a media personality, I respect my listeners. And the best thing I can do for them to show my respect is not try to be a political mouthpiece and assert whatever I might view on something on somebody else. So what I want to do is take this from a totally sports aspect and not, uh, not have an agenda, what have you. So with what Colin Kaepernick is doing, he says he wants to be a quarterback again. He wants to be a quarterback, but he's not going to get that by asking for $20 million at the AAF. So it makes me wonder if he really wants to be a quarterback again, or if he likes the situation he's in because he can accomplish more for his own cause. And that's not a derogatory statement against him. Because, In fact, you can... Uh, have a lot of respect for somebody for doing that, for being willing to lay down their athletic career for their cause and be a type of social justice figure like he is because you can make the case that he's doing more for social justice the way he is rather than if he was an athlete. But the thing is, everyone says every time a quarterback gets hurt or somebody does something wrong and then gets back to the NFL, everybody says that the NFL's colluding against Kaepernick. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe there's some who don't want him in there, but I don't think there's a league-wide exclusion or what have you. I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Here's the thing. He did go to a Super Bowl, yes, and came up short in that game, but ultimately probably played well enough the 49ers could have won. Well, that was quite a few years ago. His most recent trip to the NFL he was benched for Blaine Gabbert. I mean, if we were still judging people based on what they did in the past, Eli Manning would still be at the pinnacle of NFL quarterbacks because he's won two Super Bowls. Joe Flacco played Kaepernick in that Super Bowl. I know he doesn't want to go down to the AEF and he wants to be an NFL quarterback if he still wants to play, but isn't this exactly who the AAF was designed for? Players who are trying to take the extra step to the NFL or players who are on their way down trying to get back there? I think... I think he's actually in a better situation to doing what he is now. I do too. Doing a, uh, doing a social justice thing. I think he wants to be a quarterback, but I think at this point he he wants to be in the NFL. And the NFL, I'm a firm believer that they did personally try to keep him out of the league because mm-hmm. they just, I mean, it was so controversial. And the NFL hates controversy, which is weird because they are okay with, you know, domestic abuse when they stir the part but not anybody else so it's and i think you know it looked like there were teams that might sign him but then there were so many other owners who were opposed to it so i think there was some working behind the scenes and i i think he's in a better place to just do what he's been doing it, uh, you know and he's got the money to actually mm. you know put some stuff into you know the cause he's looking for so and in the AAF, let's say he gets that payday, is that going to get him back into the league? You know, really? 
Or is he going to be okay with settling with the AAF for the rest of his days? Well, I don't think that he'll ever reach the NFL if he doesn't go to the AAF first. Mm -hmm. Because go to the AAF if you really want to get back to the NFL. Show them that you've got some good tape, that you can still do it, that you still got what it takes to get a team to the Super Bowl. Because I I know that there's probably some owners out there who definitely were not going to sign him for anything because of his past. But I still do believe that no matter what, and I think we just saw this with Kareem Hunt, no matter what a guy's past looks like, if you're good enough, someone will take a chance on you. Because Eric Reed was right there with Colin Kaepernick when they were kneeling in the first place. And he just got a contract with the Panthers because he earned it, because he's a quality football player. And there's a giant talent gap between him and Colin Kaepernick. And I know maybe their respective positions have something to do with that. But I do believe that if Kaepernick went to the AAF, that would be his only path back to the NFL because you can't be a major league baseball player, step out a few years, and then expect to jump right back in without having to go down to the minors. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. I, I think he, if he's not willing to do it, he's in the AF. I think his days are behind him as a mm-hmm. quarterback. Um, I think Eric Reed's in great shape. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you know, he's a very good contributor. I think he's got a long way to go in his career, but I think. I think Kaepernick just needs to just focus on what he's doing and just keep furthering his cause and doing what, I mean, he's made a lot of people, more people aware to the issue that he's, you know, did his protest about. And I think if he just continues that, you know, it'll just be better, I think, for everybody. Because, you know, there's such a stigma attached to him in the NFL that, you know, you know, now that they just gave a huge payday to him, they don't want him back in the league because mm-hmm. it just reminds them that they had to make a big payday to him. So it just, I think if he just keeps where he is and just stays out and just, I mean, if he eventually wants to join the AAF, you know, more power to him. Yeah. But I think the longer and longer he stays out of playing quarterback, you know, it's going to be less than like to where he wants to get back to where he was. I think. I think he can still contribute in the NFL. I think he was very much a good backup quarterback, and that's what frustrated me is that, I mean, he's not he's not a starter that's going to lead you through, but he's a serviceable backup. I mean, that's what frustrated me with me was Nathan Peterman was a quarterback <laughs> in the NFL and was atrocious, mm-hmm. but teams are opposed to having a serviceable backup like Kaepernick. And it was just – and that's what said to me – that there's some collusion going on because if that guy, Nate Peterman, <laughs> is deemed a good starting quarterback, it just it make it makes it really come glaring to the surface. But I think if Colin just keeps doing what he's doing, I think he's it's gonna be in good shape for everybody. And I think Eric Reed is I think he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL and I I, I hope he can you know, continue to do something with his career. Do you think there's a future in the NFL for Colin Kaepernick at a different position? If he were to take a Troy Smith option and go to there's, whiteout. There's an interesting idea here, but I because you could see mobile quarterbacks mm-hmm. doing that. But I don't know. It just it – I think had he been playing, you know, the last, you know, recently and mm-hmm. made the switch, I think it would be easier. But to jump back in there and switch positions like now, <laughs> I think that would be – a big adjustment to it, and it would take some time to switch over that. And I don't think teams would want to put that investment in there because if there's things about the NFL, they don't like to put money towards anything unless they're insured that they're going to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think they'd want to give a big payday 
to Kaepernick to come in to play a different position when he'd have to learn the position. And it just, I don't know, I'm, I'm glad he got his money. I'm glad that, you know, he's doing what he's doing. But if he just stays what he's doing now, I think it'll be good for him. Last thing before we go to break, I listened to them discuss this on Levitard earlier today. If Colin Kaepernick was quarterbacking against Tim Tebow in the AAF Super Bowl, would that be the greatest sporting event in all of history? Oh, boy. How much fun would that be? I, I, I was th- thinking about that. I think sports TV and sports talk radio would lose their minds over <laughs> it. Like, it would be, like, the most hyped-up minor league football <laughs> game <laughs> potentially ever because it's like – you know, there's two guys who one decided to become a baseball player now, and the other is doing his social justice thing and just combine them together to, you know, quote unquote, controversial. I'm using quote marks here. Yeah. <laughs> Quarterbacks. You know, it would just be, you know, it, there would be a lot of hype around it, but. I imagine the game would be quite underwhelming, <laughs> you know, because it's like you got one guy who hasn't played, in, you know, in a while, and then mm-hmm. the other guy who has completely switched to a different sport, you know, it just, and you can make the case Tim Tebow wasn't even that good of a quarterback to begin with, so it's like, it would be something worth paying attention to and maybe watching, but I think at the end of the game, you'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I just watched something that wasn't that great, but, you know, who knows? Ryan Steve from the Mining Journal in studio with us. We owe you a timeout as we hit the bottom of the hour. When we come back, Dell Demps is out as general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. Who really holds power in the NBA? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. Here is your Sports Center update. Red Wings head coach Jeff Blaschel believes that left winger Tyler Bertuzzi will be able to return to the lineup tomorrow night at Philadelphia. Bertuzzi had been sidelined with an upper body injury. The Yankees agree to a four-year extension with right-handed pitcher Luis Severino worth $40 million. And finally, the next one. Last night, the New York Knicks beat the Hawks 106-91. They snap a franchise-worst 18-game losing streak, and they head into the All-Star break on a high note, or at least as high as you can get, with a record of 11-47. That is your Sports Center update. Is that a good thing for Knicks fans that they won, or are they like, man, we're this far. Let's just tank for it all, get Zion. Let's make it 19-20, 30-game losing streak coming up. I think it's bad that they win. I mean, it's just like, I think it's like as a fan, you want your team to be successful. But it's like, I always look back to that one year, I think when the Eagles back in the 60s or something, was on the cusp of getting the first pick in the NFL draft and won like their last two games of the season. So they lost out (laughs) on the number one pick. Well, I think that year was... You know, it's a joke now, but it was O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. You know, but back in his day was the guy, the, you know, the best running back yep. in the country. He was a can't-miss guy. The Eagles are like, oh, this is the guy. And then they actually succeeded <laughs> at the end of the year and lost out on him. So it's, I think, it's like when, uh, you know, when I was in Indianapolis, when they were trying to get Andrew Luck, 
it's like you're hoping they lose. Mm-hmm. It was the suck for luck campaign <laughs> down in Indy. And it's like they won two games. Mm-hmm. But thankfully the teams below them, you know, won one more game than they did. So I think Knicks are hoping that Knicks fans are hoping that they go downhill and they stay downhill and uh which is I think great for the league because it's it's great for the league when the Knicks are bad because it's such a fun storyline. Yes, because it it's a, they're such a debacle of a franchise at this place that you just watch them just repeatedly shoot themselves in the foot. It's like the Browns yeah. in the NFL. You know, it's it's it gives you a laugh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the NBA wants the Knicks to be successful because it's their biggest market mm-hmm. and it's one of their most well-known teams. But I think it's funnier that way. That's just me. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg in the studio with you. It is officially NBA All-Star Weekend breaks uh, for a few of the teams that certainly really need it. The Knicks get to go in on a winning streak, air quotes, as they get back onto the winning track with their 11th of the year last night. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 11 and 47. Keep it going. The big news today before the All-Star break really gets going was that the New Orleans Pelicans fired general manager Del Demps, and he's been in the news lately for his dealings uh, uh, with uh, the Lakers. Uh, another franchise that is pretty inept oh, right boy. now. And, I mean, I won't say this by any stretch was an unjust firing. He's had nine years. He has done really nothing to build around Anthony Davis. I don't blame AD for wanting out of there whatsoever. They've made the playoffs in only three seasons. They've won one series in that time. It was time for him to go. I'm just, does the timing of this surprise you a little bit? Like, why now? Why after all this when they make it clear that they are going to lose Anthony Davis and he does everything that the front office, Gail Benson, what have you, want him to do as far as not taking the Lakers deal, holding out presumably for the Celtics or whoever can make a better package. Why today? Why today would they choose to get rid of him? I think it's... The, the guy falling on the sword kind of a thing. He's, mm. the, he's the scapegoat of all this. The I mean, patsy. Yeah, yeah, like just, oh, you know, we got this negative stigma attached to us that, oh, you know, we looked really dumb <laughs> among all this, so we'll fix this, and people will respect us again by getting rid of our GM, even though it's, I don't know, it's necessary. Yeah, did he need to go? But did he need to go, like, now? Yeah. No, you probably could have waited until the end of the season. But... As people are pointing out, the people who own the Pelicans, they own the Saints. Mm-hmm. And that's their primary focus. Mm-hmm. It's like some people called the Pelicans as their side hustle <laughs> on the side. Because it's like they don't care what's going on in the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. It's like you see that all the time when owners own multiple franchises. They have one that they really love, and that's their focus. And then the other ones are like, oh, okay, you know, I guess I own them, but I'm not going to pay attention to them. I'm not going to put any effort into it. And that's basically what they're doing. They got Anthony Davis, but they didn't do anything with him to help them. I mean, he's such a good player, and they could have turned into a really good franchise, and they didn't do it. So, yeah. um, If I was a Pelicans fan, which I imagine, how many Pelican fans are there really out there? Right. (laughs) I would probably not be happy right now and wishing that we'd they'd get new ownership. But yeah, it uh it's it, you know, I never take you know, I don't like it when people get fired because it's it's a sad thing right. and you lose your job and it's hard to overcome that. 
but just because the mess that the Pelicans are, it gives you a little chuckle because mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> they're so bad at doing anything right now. So, yeah, there's a little chuckle that's coming out of me. What if instead of the NBA Finals this year, because we know who's going to win it, we just had You already a... have called it, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Everyone's called it, Ryan. Everyone knows the Warriors are taking this title. Huh. There's a few Bucks fans who want to think differently, but I think we all know it's going to be the Warriors season again. It's the Warriors league. We're just living in it. But what about instead of that, instead of the Warriors beating somebody in five or six games at max, that we get seven games of the Pelicans and Knicks? Wow. <laughs> I mean, do you think it goes seven? Um, that's a great question, to be honest. <laughs> Who wants to tank worse? I, I think it's, it's the potential to go seven because they're both bad. But uh, I've, I think it'd be like a, like a five game series. Yeah. I think it, I think New Orleans would end up winning it just because the Knicks are the Knicks. So, but uh, if you want bad basketball, if that's your thing, that would be like a, a dream series for you. Like, or like if you had like your own version of the Super Bowl. Now, granted, they're different this year, but like last year having like the Browns yeah. <laughs> in, in a Super Bowl type venue, I mean, you'd want to tune in just to see how bad it could get. This year, I mean, they were better this year, so it's right. not quite the same. But two years ago, that'd be like must see TV, really. When do you think? I think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it'd be great to get to see something like that. Yeah. It's like in the World Juniors this year, how they have tend to start with. They send eight to the medal round, to the tournament, what have you, and then they let the ninth and 10th place teams, they play for ninth a three-game series. So they take Denmark, who doesn't score a goal all tournament long, and Kazakhstan, who gets their doors blown off in every single game, and say, here, you, let's let you two play a little bit more and play for ninth place. It'd I still be something equivalent to that. I still can't believe they have a ninth place game. Yeah. Talk about a waste. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you want to keep playing? If Who you wants were to see any more of that? Yeah, I mean, after putting forth that terrible of a performance, do you really want to be like, hey, look what we did? <laughs> we won ninth place out of a 10-team tournament. And then got regulated like yeah, two years later. Exactly. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> well, new details emerge about LeBron and his involvement with Clutch Sports, the agency that he partly owns. It's the agency that he's with, him and Rich Paul, business partners that were linked to the tampering case, trying to get Anthony Davis to come to L.A. It makes you think, who really runs the NBA? I'm going to put on my conspiracy theory hat here just a little bit. I've got newspapers lining the studio wall. Do you have, do you have like, thread with thumbtacks, mm-hmm. you know, making connections to The whole nine yards. <laughs> a ham radio I talk to aliens with. What uh, have, uh, me yeah. and Conseco go out and <laughs> honey aliens together yeah. or something. Uh, going a little bit conspiracy theory here, but what if Clutch Sports is more than just a talent agency and they de facto run the NBA? They're kind of like the government in some sense. Adam Silver's their puppet, and they've got guys inside the NBA like LeBron. LeBron is more than an athlete. LeBron is an actor, a producer, a social uh, a world, socialite, a yeah. world celebrity. In a way, yeah, he's a he's he's an activist in some ways. With his I Promise school, he's involved in the social issues. LeBron is much more than an athlete, and he's involved in one of the most wealthy and powerful agencies in the world. 
that seem to be able to collude with anybody they want to try and get players to go where they want, and they're not getting tagged for it. The Bucks are getting tagged more than the Clutch Sports Agency is. I've got this theory that they're like the secret branch of the government that secretly runs the NBA. I don't even know if I believe it, but I'm not not believing it either. Okay. Um, I think Adam Silver is in charge of the NBA, but I think that it's marquee stars like LeBron play a much bigger role than you probably think that they should be. Um, I think they have a lot of influence. I think he's still the guy in charge, and he has the ultimate say because he is the guy in charge. But I think if if LeBron wants what he wants, he's probably going to get it. Mm. Unless it's like something illegal. <laughs> you know, it's like, he, you know, if he then wants... Then it's a maybe. Yeah, then it's a maybe. But uh, I think it's... I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm really not. But I think... <laughs> I think if you think too much about things, you're going to start making things up in your mind. But don't you think there's something going on behind the scenes with Clutch Sports that we don't know about? Because a lot of people didn't know about these guys a few weeks ago, but we find out more and more about them every day, and we're learning that they have more power than we all thought. I just feel like there's something going on behind closed doors. Maybe not to the extent that, you know, conspiracy theorists will jump to, but there's something they're not telling us. They've got more power than they let on. Okay. I, I, I can understand your point, but I guess I'm just not that deep of a thinker when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, there's always been that conspiracy then, uh, that the reason Michael Jordan retired the first time is because he had a secret gambling addiction mm-hmm. and that uh, you know David Stern forced him into leaving because it would create a negative stigma to the league to have its big marquee star doing this kind of stuff. Isn't that ironic? David Stern and negative stigma. (laughs) Have this, have this like black cloud over the league Mm -hmm. because he's their biggest celebrity and to have him have a secret, massive gambling addiction. You know, the theory is that they forced him in retirement until he could get it out of control until the issue would go away. And then he could come back and make this spectacular entrance and, get everything back to where, you know, it used to be. I don't know if I'd go that deep, <laughs> but, you know, you could kind of make a case that that could be the case. So maybe there is something to that theory. I'm just not that kind of, I just don't think, I know I'm a reporter and I have to think that, but I just don't, I don't go digging into the rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, as much as other people do. Ryan Steve for the Mining Journals in studio with us. When we come back, college baseball is back. It is opening day in the NCAA. Who leads the NHL in game attendance this season? The answer might surprise you. And the Friday Funnies to finish out the week. All next in the Sports Panel on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you on the Sports Pen Friday afternoon. Don't forget Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball on ESPN-UP this evening. Taking on Nagani, 7 o'clock pregame or whenever the JV happens to get over. Might be a little later. Speaking then, of uh, JV getting loaded, the uh, JV game went really late last night in Gwynn. Is that right? Yeah, so like <laughs> the Gwynn game didn't like tip off till close to 8. I've been noticing JV games are going a little longer nowadays. Yeah, it's so kind of interesting. Know. If we're not on the air by 7... 
It's probably JV. <laughs> Tip-off will be yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of 715. Big game tonight. Westwood girls can lock up the conference championship with a victory. Hope to have you tuned in. Ryan's going to be there. I'll He'll be, be there. there at the uh, Westwood High School Gymnasium. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the game. It, it should, should be, be a, a fun one. Be a fun one. I, uh, I haven't got a chance to see Nagani girls or Westwood girls a whole lot this year. So, I'm, uh, you know, actually, I think I haven't seen them since, like, Oh, maybe like <laughs> the first couple of weeks of the season because mm-hmm. I'm getting sent to other places. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him again. It's going to be a good one tonight. You can hear it right here on ESPN UP online with our app if you're outside of our listening area. Well, college baseball is back. Man, what? I love the road to Omaha. I do. It's opening day for college baseball. I wish it was taken as seriously as sports like college football or basketball was, but I'm so happy that it's back. Michigan ranks 17th in the preseason rankings. Is it going to be a fun, fun spring? Yeah, it uh, it's it's a niche sport mm-hmm. in a way, kind of like college hockey is. But it's such there's such some great hoopla around it. I mean. The whole Omaha thing, the whole city really embraces it. It mm-hmm. shuts it shuts down basically for what, like two, three weeks. Yeah. And like the whole thing is focused on baseball. And that's, I mean, one of my bucket list things is to go to the College World Series. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just never worked out for me so far to get out there. So I'm hoping I will. And uh, it's, it's going to be, it would be a blast of an experience. And I'm, and I hope more people get interested in it because, you know, ESPN has that, it hypes it up so much. And, like, you know, their statue's really cool because it's the dog pile at mm-hmm. the pitcher's mound. So um, I'm excited for it, too. Um, you know, I'm writing a column about spring training that's coming out on Sunday, which is kind of funny because it's not baseball weather by any means. But it technically has started. Uh-huh. Pitchers and catchers showed up this week. College baseball's underway. College softball's already gotten underway. Mm-hmm. So despite what the weather is saying outside, spring has technically sports-wise begun in the rest of the country. College baseball is something unlike any other. Um, my hometown is two hours from Omaha, so that was the tradition is that everyone from uh, northwestern Iowa makes the trip down to Omaha as often as you can and try to check out a game or two. I know tickets are hard to get. It can be. can mm. be, depending what spot. Or, you know a guy. Something yeah, like yeah. that. But no, it's a great venue. I never made it to Rosenblatt. I was at TD Ameritrade. That was where I went to the, the College World Series for the first time. And see, that would have been LSU and Oregon State was my first game there. That was pretty fun. But... Baseball is uh, upon us, and I'm really thankful for it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I heard like the first couple games are the hardest ones to get, and then you, if you wait to the middle games, like that's mm-hmm. when teams get eliminated, right. and all the fan bases try to dump their tickets on mm-hmm. people, and that's when the easy ones to get. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe 2020 or something like mm-hmm. that, I can get out there and uh, catch a game, but. Uh, it's it's one of those experiences that you don't forget, and uh, I'm hoping to finally get to do it. Well, the NHL is in full swing, and the NHL has released its average attendance statistics. Would you be shocked if I told you that out of the top five in NHL attendance this year, only one of them is a Canadian city? Uh, that's a bit surprising, but at the same time, Canada's very much demanding good hockey, and uh, if your team's not playing well, they're not going to show up. How about if there were two Canadian cities? Uh, two out of the top five? Yeah. 
Is that that's what it is? That's okay. correct. Okay. So, Two Canadians, that actually two of the top three are Canadian. Okay. But would it surprise you if I told you that two of the top five in NHL average attendance this year have already made coaching changes this season, and yet they're still getting good attendance? Neither of them are in the playoff picture right now. In fact, the leader in NHL attendance this year, not even in the playoff picture. Chicago? Chicago. They love their hockey there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's bad, <laughs> they'll still show up. Chicago's number one in average attendance this year, followed by... Montreal, Toronto, Philadelphia's at number four, and then the Lightning for as good of a season as they have, number five. Yeah, they're well Tampa's a big fan base. They I've do. tried to tell people about that. They you know, they've really embraced hockey down there. I mean the frozen four when it's down there, it's a big event. Yeah, they is. really embrace it. They got it's like you got the Rays, you know, <laughs> being the Rays and the Bucks being so mm-hmm. hit or miss over their career as a franchise. You got but Tampa's been pretty consistent, if it went the Lightning have, so they really uh, go all out with that. Philly has, the Flyers are big out there. You know, they're very passionate, and they're going to keep showing up. Um, very, very opinionated, let's put it that yeah. way. Um, uh, and not, sometimes not in a good way. No. Very, very vicious. Um, Toronto and Montreal are original six franchises, yeah. and, you know, have been around forever. So they have even, like the national fan base to kind of get behind. So that doesn't surprise me, but uh, I, the Red Wings aren't up there. They're not I'm in shocked. the top five. I'm shocked. I thought it was hockey town. It's supposed to be. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Red Wings are what? 23 and 28. Yeah. And three or something like that. Yeah. yeah. The hockey town thing is just a running joke for me. Cause when I went down there, uh, I, I, to, for the first time Detroit, I was like, Hey, I'm in hockey town and the Red Wings were and nobody was talking about them in any way. Even in the hockey restaurant, the mm-hmm. hockey town restaurant, nobody was talking about the Red Wings. And I'm just like, this is, it's been lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't hockey town. <laughs> this is a joke. But uh, yeah, attendance, interesting. Ryan Steig for the Mining Journal with us. Before we close out the week, we've got the Friday funnies. There's uh, just a couple of them. Uh, a wrestling tournament in Wisconsin got a little out of control where uh, the parents ended up brawling. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know over what, but uh, they're going all out. There's videos of it, you know, where there's punches being thrown. Mm. And what makes it funny to me is one of the parents is wearing a camo jacket and Crocs. Oh, boy. And I want to know what made that guy look in the mirror that day and think, this looks good. To wear blue Crocs and a camo jacket. <laughs> First of all, because if you're trying to camouflage yourself, the shoes are going to give you away. Yeah. yeah. So you're already failed in that regard. And it doesn't flow as an outfit. So that's what made it funny to me. Whatever looks good when he's patrolling the compound and the riding mower. <laughs> yeah. This guy's throwing punches while looking, <laughs> acting like a moron and looking like a moron. At the same time, so that's that's my first one. Ben McDa- Ben McDar- bleh, sorry, Ben DeArmond, who is a PGA golfer, um, was in his in the event had a 491 yard par four with a water hazard, and he shot a 17 mm. on the hole. Mm. He hit six shots into the water. Ugh. You know, tee shot went in. Okay, so now it's in the rough. Hits both shots out of the rough into the water. Um, tries to go back to the tee box. Hits. 
get into the water. And then hits it two more times in the water, trying to get out. Finally, after the sixth time, gets it onto the fairway, but finishes 17 with that. Mm. And what makes it funny is that not only did he have the highest score in web.com tour history <laughs> with the 17, he, um, his dad razzed him and called him Roy McAvoy, which is Kevin Costner's character in Tin Cup, who had a colossal meltdown in the U.S. <laughs> Open. So, the guy not only has a bad performance, but his dad is poking him in the side and making fun of him the whole time. So, it's it's kind of like, and he took it in stride, but mm-hmm. he thought it was like, yeah, not only do I look bad, but my dad's also making fun of me the whole time. So, it's, it's a funny moment there. Um, and then, there's a guy who I don't know if you heard, there was the guy who was scamming Super Bowl tickets mm. um, and, you know, got, like, thousands of dollars, you know, screwed over a bunch of people. Like, I think he got family members and some friends and perfect wow. strangers. And how did they get him? Because he was rude to a spa worker. They were trying to find him. They couldn't find him. And he went to a spa with his girlfriend and wanted to cut in line and was being completely rude to the staff and um, was trying to pay with cash. And that gave warning bells because who pays with a wa- giant wad of cash to go to a spa? So that was concerning to them. And then he's being a jerk the whole time. So then, from what I heard, the cops get called and there he is. And he ended up getting arrested simply because he was rude to service staff. Oh, my God. <laughs> be nice. It pays. Yeah. You could have gotten away with this mm. a lot longer if you could have been nicer <laughs> to the people who are working, you know, who are trying to provide a good service for you. So let, let's remember that. If you're going to commit a crime, <laughs> if you're nice to people, you might be able to go on the lam a little longer. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so that's, that's a funny way to close it out because... This guy had a good racket going. Yes. He's, and and now he's going to jail because he was rude to a spa worker. His temper literally brought down a whole Super Bowl racketeering case. Yeah, yeah. If he had just been okay with st- keeping his spot in line, <laughs> you know, he could be still on the lam. But nope, nope. So everybody out there, be nice to the service industry. Be nice to those at spas, what have you. Yeah, don't, don't rob ESPN, yeah, UP, <laughs> not advocating crime, not what that, have but you. But say, just keep that in mind, you know? Be nice to anybody, regardless if you're committing a crime at the same time. <laughs> but there you go. There's the last funny for the day. Ryan Stieg for the Mining nice. Journal here in studio with us. Don't forget Patriot Basketball this evening. A win means the Westwood girls capture the conference title for the first time since 2013. Pre-game at 7, 7.15 tip on ESPN-UP. With that, let's call it a week here in the Sports Pen. For Ryan Stieg, my name's Tanner Hoop, signing off from ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming, Marquette.